Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. I have with me a luminary, legendary Right, friend, mentor, teacher, the original Gremlin Tamer himself, Mr. Rick Carson. Thank you, Ricky D, for taking the time to be here with us. Oh man, it's a pleasure to be here. Really. Sure. I mean, I know anything you do, you do with quality. <laughs> and I know how much you care about your constituents. So to be asked to be part of your deal here. Is, it's an honor, Aaron. I really appreciate it very much. My, my pleasure. I appreciate you in very many ways. As you know, I've expressed that to you on multiple occasions. So um, I always do my best to bring people to the platform that I think can add tremendous value. And you definitely fit that category. And for those who don't know kind of the story of how I came in contact with Mr. Rick Carson is, you know, it was a stage in my life where I was maneuvering kind of props and players outside into configurations that please me. I was doing well in business. And if people were to look from the outside in, they would say, hey, like, you know, everything's going great. However, internally, my internal experience was not that enjoyable. You know, I was uh, kind of plagued with doubt and fear and worry and anxiousness about continuing to produce at a certain level, um, scared that I would lose my skill or ability to be able to continue to do it. And I was on a trip in Amsterdam, and I saw this book behind me on the table. And I asked my sister-in-law about it because she was reading it. She said, well, I have like a issue with flying, a fear of flying really. And somebody told me to read that book. So I opened it up and I wanted to read this to the audience so they can hear it, right? Uh, this is what struck me right directly in the center of my chest. It said, this book is not intended to guide you to enlightenment, to internal bliss or to riches. It will, however, help you to enjoy yourself more and more each day. It is simple and practical, and I hope that reading it brings you much pleasure. And when I read that, Rick, it was like the sky parted, like from up top. Like, somebody's talking to me, man. This is exactly what I've been looking for, exactly what I need. And then I reached out and, you know, began a relationship with you. I just called you out of the blue, and, you know, here we are right. uh, all these many years later. So I guess I'm wondering, because I know, and I've known you for a long time, I've had the good fortune uh, of getting to know you, not only as a teacher and a mentor and a friend, but I know that Gremlin Taming came from like an, your own personal inner journey, right? So if you'd be open to Absolutely. give us the kind of abbreviated uh, version of how that came to be. <laughs> yes, I will. It'll, I'll give you an abbreviated version. When it really came together for me is I was having to do something that I really was the right thing to do, but I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and I, uh, it was actually about three in the morning. I won't go into all the details, but I was uh, at a place where I worked. I supervised some of the best counselors I've ever supervised, some really wonderful people. Uh, but in any event, I was there and I just had the I don't know, the tiny mouth, touch me, I'll bite, 
blues or whatever you want to call it. I was pissed off. And uh, there were plenty of, I was sitting there by myself, three in the morning in this house where we ran a, it was a poly drug abuse program. Uh, but anyway, I was sitting there and I was just disgruntled. And I knew, well, there are people I can blame. There are circumstances I could certainly get all agitated about. Uh, but none of those people are here. I'm here by myself feeling all this stuff. What the hell is going on? So I started doing some work with myself. And a duality emerged where it became very, very clear to me that, uh, and an image emerged, actually. I don't mean like a vision so much, but keep in mind, Aaron, this is well before the movie Gremlins, or I don't even know that I'd ever thought about a gremlin, but I started seeing in front of me a, well, a gremlin. <clears throat> so, but the, the real learning was about that duality. Uh, but the gremlin thing kind of stuck in my head, but because of that duality and seeing so clearly that working through that was more than just a dialogue between, you know, your gremlin on one shoulder and something else on the other and all that. It was really a matter of those two forces confronting themselves in such a way that there was a wholeness that came out of it. They merged in a way. And it wasn't a cognitive thing. It was very physical. It was experiential. Uh, so that, I, Aaron, I was 29. Were you really? I'm seven and six now. That, I mean, that was a long time ago. So, uh, but anyway, the, the image stuck with me. But within just a few days, a few days, with, with families I was working with, with couples, with individuals, it didn't matter what somebody presented with. It became very clear to me eventually when the real work would get done is when we got down to that duality. And all of a sudden it was like, and I think I may have shared this with you at some point. It was like, wow, I see how this works. Okay. And then, so gosh, several years later, I sat down to write in 1983. I sat down to write the book. I just had weekends to write. Anyway, started to write it as a metaphysical book, started to write it as a book for therapists and coaches and then I just thought, shoot, I'm just going to write it for everybody. And that damn image of the gremlin kept coming up. <laughs> so I called it Taming Your Gremlin. That and that's how it all happened. That know? is so awesome. And I really appreciate your authentic kind of uh, expression of that experience. Yeah. So I wrote down a few things which were pretty interesting. The first was is, um, you know, you notice, which is natural and normal, like rain and sunshine, that you were mad about something. Yeah, and exactly. you also became aware, like you know, you're stewing in it, and you're having these conversations with imaginary people. Yeah, I wasn't having a big time. Yeah, and then you started to kind of, you know, go within and kind of notice this duality. And I heard you mention that more than once. So if you'd be open to it, just briefly, kind of describe to the audience when you say duality, what what do you mean? The conflict between one part of I'll say me of anybody and another part, you know, within every one of us is an incredibly beautiful, beautiful experience in, <clears throat> in the initial time in your gremlin before I did the revised edition, I called it the natural you. I've also called it life in a book, just life. Uh, prana, Ray, Chi, Ki, the primordial vibration, Elan, Vital, 
God, the kingdom within. It doesn't matter what in the hell you call it because it existed before the word. But there is a thing in there, something infinite that came together, in my case, in yours, and everyone who, <clears throat> who's with us now, that infinite thing came together with something finite, our bodies. My, I'll speak in the eye frame, my body. Something infinite, something finite came together to create the entity that answers to my name, okay? Those two things are together. They're connected by the breath. So there's that beautiful thing. And it's beautiful. The best thing about it is how wonderful it feels. I'm going to say a little more about it. And, and it can guide us. It can tell us once you're in touch with it, who to hang out with, what and who to get the hell away from. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And there is something else within every human being I've ever met. So I guess it could change tomorrow. But so far, across the board, there's another side that exists. Call it yin, yang, whatever you want to call it, but there is a part of us that is out to squelch that vibrant soul. Let's use that term for now, to squelch that vibrant soul. That's the duality I'm referring to, mm. okay? So in order to resolve that, it's not a matter of getting rid of this other part. It doesn't work like that. It's a matter of really witnessing that other part. And, and that takes practice. That takes uncommon awareness. But at the point that happens, Aaron, there's a sliver of light that develops between the natural you, that heart of hearts, that soul, and all of that stuff. But when that sliver of light is there, there's just a feeling of clarity. It's not like cognitive information. It's like, oh, I see. There's what's real, and then there's this other stuff. Now, we'll say that let's call that other part your gremlin, okay? I'm a firm believer, Aaron, that any feedback I get from anybody probably has a little truth in it for me, even if it's very critical feedback, including from my gremlin. So I'm going to ask myself, what do I need to learn from this? You know? Okay. But that's all the thinking I'm going to do about it. Yeah. <laughs> what do I have to learn from this? And is there any action I need to take? Yes. Okay. And let it get in there. But the method, as you know, the gremlin timing method is very precise. It's very elaborate. And as you well know, it takes practice. Wow. You got to practice with practice. It. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, you were a quick study. You are a quick study, Aaron. And it's like, uh, such a pleasure to work with you for that reason. You know, you really, when you dive into something, you really dive in. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And what I'm aware of, it means a lot coming from you, uh, the, the Gremlin Tamer himself. I'm also aware that it came from a place of uh, kind of desperation in a way. Yeah. Which was the, the I, I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, so the pain was so strong that I got to a place of like, hey, whatever it takes. I remember when we first connected, I was like, hey, Rick, um, you don't know me very well, but like, you know, I'm pretty good at, like maneuvering props and players in the way that I like, but I don't know how to enjoy myself. Right. I and remember like, quite well. That? And you were like, yeah, buckaroo, I can help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> so it came from a yeah. place where the desire was really strong. Now you said something here, which I, I True. really, uh, I wrote down, I jotted down because it jumped out at me. So conceptually understanding those two kind of pieces, 
but you said witnessing. Because I'm aware that the te- the tendency is, myself included, without kind of a practice, without awareness, is to want to try to like push against. But I know that that creates resistance itself. So if something's happening and you're whatever, you start to push against it or you try to cut it out, you try to say like positive affirmations or positive things, right? And this I see, creates a new duality. I tried that to like the fullest and it doesn't work. So yeah. talk about that. Uh, well, I'm really glad you're pointing that out because that's the, the, the way it works. Yeah. You know, a key element in the method is what I call simply noticing. Now, keep in mind, when I wrote Taming Your Gremlin, the, the whole beautiful, really beautiful Buddhist movement was not big in the West. And there was no term like mindfulness. And uh, so I had to come up with a term that described the experience I was having. And for me, I just thought, well, hell, I'm just noticing, paying attention. So I used the term simply noticing. And that's a primary piece of the method. It's a little different than just mindfulness because it's, it's mindfulness in action. What you learn to notice It's pretty easy to notice what's going on around you. With practice, you can notice what's going on in your body, even the subtle things. But to notice what's going on in your very own mind, that's second semester, you know, because you're right in it. It's right up against your face. It's a veil of concepts. But as you well know, with practice, immediately, if it's one of those beliefs about yourself or about how the world works, it's probably limiting, even if it's a positive belief, Aaron, because a belief is just an opinion that you develop loyalty to. And a lot of those opinions were in there by the time you were a little kid, time you were six. And then you start to see the world through those, through that veil. And it's, it's a prejudice. It's a prejudice against yourself. Because any self-concept, I'd rather you have a positive one than a negative one, but any self-concept is limiting because you're not a concept. You're a constantly evolving mass of matter with that infinite power inside. There are no real limits. I mean, you can't, I don't think, walk on water or grow taller on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, damn it. (laughs) That'd be a great one. So this is good. So I wrote down a couple things because and I really hope those people listening that they're paying attention and writing notes because this is this is the way it is, guys. I think I always buy the book. And you're getting exactly and you're getting it right (laughs) from the horse's mouth. So, you know, what Rick is telling us is that it's not it's perfectly normal and natural, like rain and sunshine that you have anger or frustration or you get scared or any of these things. And the way you get through something, because you've really drilled this into my head over all of our time together, is not by going around it. You get right. something by going through it. And one of the things that I learned immediately, we would you know, kind of do calls or do work. If I was doing a piece of work with you, instantaneously, as soon as you see where that duality is or that energy is blocked, you would like grab me by the collar, <laughs> metaphorically, and push me right to it, right? Yeah. Uh, because that's how you work through it. Versus yeah. trying to run away from it versus trying to, I don't know, affirm it away versus trying to uh, distract yourself with food or alcohol or some other kind of thing that would pull you Anything. away. Cabin in the woods, you know, that long 
for relationship. You know, people have all sorts of kind of, that'll do it for me. That next degree, that hoity-toity mansion on a tree-lined street, yeah, that'll do it, by golly. It's not in there. It's not. And I, <laughs> I mean, it, it helps for a while to have whatever you want, you know, but the thing you're looking for is within you, as you well know. I do know this, and uh, the intention is to spread that message as much as possible. So <laughs> That's true. So I think like, I want you guys to really hear what Rick just said, because, you know, as you know, like I, I coach clients and in a business capacity, real estate, sure. and oftentimes they tell themselves a story like, you know what? when I sell a hundred homes a year or when I make a million bucks or when I get the secondary home out here or when I, right. And yet internally, right. Even as they're kind of moving and progressing and it's not happening in the time frame they like, or as quickly as they like, or in the amount that they like, but still producing and succeeding. Right. I noticed that there's like, um, it's a kind of damping down of their own enjoyment. It's almost as though they're standing guard at the gate and saying like, look, you can't feel centered in that piece until. That's how it was for you. Yep. hundred percent. Now I'm curious because you have this very amazing kind of perspective in that you've spent probably, I don't know, 30 or 40,000 hours with humanity. And what I find so interesting is when you read, for those of you who haven't gotten Taming Your Gremlin, get it immediately. It's a wonderful book. And the subsequent book, A Masterclass in Gremlin Taming. But in the original, you give these um, examples of gremlins. Oh, right. And what I found so interesting is as I'm reading this, I'm like, these gremlins, like, I know these gremlins. Uh How is that possible? He wrote this book like 35 years ago. These are all different people, right? From different like socioeconomic status, status, different geographic locations, different cultures, different languages, like, and the experience is the same. So talk a little bit about that. Cause I think everybody imagines that we're like this super unique, you know, kind of person when in reality, the experience is very similar. It is for all of us. Similar. It's not exactly the same. You know, keep in mind, your gremlin is your gremlin by virtue of its intention. It's out to squelch the vibrant soul that you are. People ask me frequently, Aaron, you know, well, where does it come from? Let me make this very clear. I don't know. And I don't care. I just know that that thing exists and there's a way to tame it on the spot. Uh, So the reason I'm mentioning that, Aaron, is to a lot of times people will say, well, here's one of my gremlins or here's the other of my gremlins. Uh, Man, you've got one gremlin. Your gremlin is your gremlin by virtue of its intention. It is out to eat your lunch, but it changes disguises from time to time. And what you're referring to, Aaron, are actually different approaches of your gremlin. So I think in terms of, I mean, there are a lot more styles than what I'm going to mention, but there's sort of five key poisonous arrows that your gremlin uses. Uh, One, of course, is pretty obvious, is worry. The basis of that, of course, is fear. All right? So when one notices one is scaring oneself or that one's gremlin is on the scene, You want to accentuate that fear. You want to get a sliver of light between you and that fear by witnessing it fully. And you want to separate out 
what's real from what you know for sure. And we could do a whole workshop just on that. I know. But, but okay, fear is one poison, poison dart, poison arrow. Uh, another, of course, is uh, miring yourself in regret. But I want to emphasize the miring. Because, Aaron, if I accidentally step on your toe or do something I shouldn't do on this video, or you know, I'll regret that. That's a natural feeling. But if one begins to dwell on a regret and chew on it like bubble gum, it becomes a feeling called guilt, which occurs right here, upper part of the abdomen. And it's, ugh, everybody knows what that feels like. We don't want that. It serves absolutely positively no purpose. Some people say, well, it keeps us, uh, will keep us in line, whatever that means. No, it's just notice it and move through it swiftly. With the regret, you ask yourself, what do I learn from this? So I just stepped on Aaron's toe and I regret that. I'm going to say, well, I really be a good idea to be more careful and probably I ought to apologize to Aaron, you know. By the same token, if what I do is get on my own case, which is poison number three here, and basically say, schmuck, what's the matter with you, Rick? Why are you always stepping on people's toes? You don't know what in the hell you're doing. You're a clumsy old. You can't do anything right. You know, the whole barrage of things. That's another poison is just kicking the hell out of yourself. It's one thing to ask yourself, what can I learn? And is there an action to take? It's another thing to beat the hell out of yourself. And there are two tests to know which one you're doing. Okay. One is how long it lasts. If you're sticking on a subject like that for any great length of time, you're ruminating. You're not working through it. You're not doing constructive thinking. And the other is how it feels. Constructive thinking about a mistake may not be a barrel of laughs, but there's no anguish connected with it. They feel different. Uh, gosh, the granddaddy of them all, of those poison arrows, is trapping yourself in a concept. So what we were talking about earlier, a belief about who you are, how the world works. You know, I wish I had the uh, diagram I use sometime, but... Uh, yeah, just, just know the difference between a, a belief it's an opinion that you develop loyalty to. That doesn't mean it's wrong, but see it for what it is. It's an opinion. Everything changes. Look at what's happening in the world right now. I mean, things, everything, every cell in your body changes constantly. There's a complete turnover, you know. Uh, you know, I, I used to weigh seven pounds, eight ounces. I don't anymore. It all changes. Yeah. So I remember you telling me that you're like, you're like Aaron, you're not static. You're not a tree. You're like a vibrant, <laughs> dynamic, like alive, like changing, like being. Yeah. To imagine. Really, good. I was just going to say that that is so scary to some people is why they cling to a particular belief system, you yeah. know, and but that's okay. The, that's what you want to do. Just see that that's what you're doing. Yeah, like, oh, like you I'm, said, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this. That's right, and I know that you. I can already hear you in my voice. What you would say is like, I'm the last person in the world to tell you like, naughty, naughty, don't do that, and slap you on the wrist. Like, no, I just want to make sure that if you're doing that, you see what you're doing and you do it on purpose. 
Like I'm going to box myself into this tiny little definition of who I imagine I'm supposed to be. And then I'm going to beat the hell out of myself when I don't fit it. And as long as that's on purpose, Rick Carson is okay with that. <laughs> that's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and what I wrote down here, which I love, so you, you broke down, cause I remember you shared that with me on a call after maybe, I don't know, six years of me working with you. And I was like, Rick, man, this is so good because it's helpful for me and for other people, those different ways that people get in their own way. So for those who are listening, you know, one was scaring the hell out of yourself. Now, my tendency in the past, that was like my gremlin's favorite brand of magic. He pulled me into the world of mine, show me terrible movies, the catastrophic things happening with me as the main character. Right. And that would cause physical manifestations of anxiety and stress in my body. The second one is putting yourself down. And typically the way people do that is they compare themselves to other people. I see that a lot when I'm working with coaching clients and other people that they'll be like, oh, well, Aaron's selling this amount of homes and I'm not selling this amount of homes. So they just beat themselves up. Right. The third way is getting mired in regret. Like I should, I should have done it this way. But whenever you hear that word should, your gremlin's shooting all over you. Right. And then the fourth way is uh, clinging to resentment. Like thinking like Rick Carson owes me something, you know, he didn't apologize to me. And until he does, I'm not going to be centered in that piece. <laughs> and the fifth, like Rick said, trapping yourself in a concept. And what I know is that's one of the most dubious and trickiest because it's the hardest to spot because you're in it. And having like a train, somebody like Rick or somebody who can help you to spot it is extremely, extremely helpful um, because then you can get that sliver of light and you can kind of simply notice. I remember I, I tell people a story that uh, one of the ways you helped me notice that is we were doing a piece of work together and I shared with you a story where um, I was playing football uh, with my in-laws and I played uh, my brother-in-laws and they like to talk a lot of smack. So it's a very uh, kind of competitive game. Uh-huh. And I played a quarterback in high school and I threw a touchdown pass. It was like 40 yards or something. And I remember the first thing that popped into my head is I looked around and I was like, who saw that? I didn't even celebrate. I wasn't like, yeah, 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 it was good. I was like, yo, who saw that? And you helped me to see like that, that particular kind of concept, right? Uh Urge in that moment, because while that concept serves me very well. Sure. Absolutely. That's an important point, Aaron. It's not bad. I remember you shared it with me that you asked me and you're like, well, is it all that bad? Once I spotted it, once you helped me to see it, you're like, well, is it all that bad? Because at first I wanted to like fight it. And I was like, well, no, it's not all that bad. It actually serves me in a lot of ways. However, if left unchecked, it will ruin a lot of things. It'll ruin relationships. It'll ruin friendships. It'll ruin my finance. It'll ruin stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And becoming a expert in your gremlin's brand of magic Mm -hmm. is uh, a very critical skill. I wanted to show people these behind me. They're even labeled gremlin taming journals. And what these are filled with, okay, is whenever my gremlin would show up and start to, you know, either try to scare either one of those five things, scare myself, you know, compare myself with other people, all those different five ways that you can typically get in your own way. I would pull this out and I would journal about the experience because that way I became an expert in my gremlin's brand of magic. And when he does show up and it's not if it's when, because he will. It's a great point, Aaron. I can notice, yeah. right? Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Rick, is that I know, you know, with a lot of the people that I, I work with, a lot of them are hard chargers and very uh, achievement oriented. Absolutely. 
And I'm also aware that because they're such hard chargers and achievement oriented, typically they don't, it's never as fast enough or as quick enough as they want it to be or in the quantity that they want it to be in. So like my first question to you is in all of your experience with working with people, is that normal? Number two, if so, why? And number three, how can gremlin taming help them with that? Well, it was number two. Number two is why is that normal? Like, why is that just a normal kind of thing, right? And then number three, how can the gremlin taming method, if somebody chooses to, because what I'm aware of, somebody can read your book and it's just a book and they put it on the shelf and they're like, oh, that's cute. It's true. Uh, what yeah. I've experienced is it is far beyond that. It is very much so like a manual uh, for the human experience. So like, how can gremlin taming help with that? Because a lot of my clients, like I see that they grapple with that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I want to comment on what you were saying about the, you know, the timing your gremlin and a masterclass in gremlin timing have a lot of pictures and big type and things like that. So people, a lot of people pick it up and think, well, this is, a, you know, a simple little self-help book. It's not, as you well know. And, uh, but the key is to practice what's in it. So in terms of your question about hard charging and competitiveness and wanting to max out on stuff and accomplishment and achievement. I have a little difficulty with the term normal uh, I, because I don't have a definition of that. I think uh, it's, it's certainly natural and commonplace. I see it a lot and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think what's important is that you have a perspective. They have that sliver of light to see that drive for what it is. Is that something for some people they really enjoy? They like that, okay? That's the thing. But there's a difference between saying, hey, man, I'm going to see if I can make a million dollars. It'd be really cool. I really want to do that. I have a desire to do that. But when that desire, when that, that want becomes a need, oh, my God, I've got to do it, or I'm just not as cool as Lulu or Joe Schmo or whatever or whatever, my, my parents are going to be disappointed or, you know, when it becomes a need, uh, well, look what I'm doing with my hands. I mean, there's a whole, whole different feel to that. So one of the things in playing with that stuff is just to, is the semantics, Aaron, is to do something as simple as throw the term need in a trash can. You know, I mean, you need food, you need water, you need good health to stay alive, you know. But most of the things we think we need, we really just want really badly. And that's fine. Then pursue them. Have fun with them. You know, uh, be a hard driver. Man, I mean, everyone I know who's ever accomplished anything is pretty devoted to it. They have a strong, strong intention to connect with a purpose. And they go for it. But I've also, Aaron, I mean, you know, I've been doing this for almost 48 years now. And I mean, I have just seen people make themselves completely miserable by creating for themselves what they perceive as a need so that their whole identity and self-worth gets caught up in that. And when it's not happening, they, they feel like their life is on the line. Well, that's just silly. 
you know, I mean, it just doesn't make a lick of sense, really, when you look at it. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. So where gremlin timing fits in is you simply notice that you're doing that, first of all. Really notice. You don't have to analyze where it came from. You don't have to figure out why. You notice. You observe. You catch yourself in the act of making yourself miserable with one of those five, four or five poisons I mentioned. You catch yourself in the act, okay? And one of the techniques, Aaron, that I've used with you and with other people is you can then accentuate it so that if you're scaring yourself, scare yourself more. Create a horror movie. What's the, it, you just really scare yourself. Just really get into it. Make it bad. The key here is as you accentuate what you're doing to yourself, at the same time, accentuate what it feels like in your body, what it's feeling like, okay? You're doing that to yourself. You can call it your gremlin, but it's happening right there. It's like that, how this whole thing started for me that I was explaining at the beginning of our time. It was, that was happening within me. The circumstances the people weren't there. There were people. It was me. So you start seeing that, and all of a sudden you become aware, I am sitting here jabbing my own thumb in my own eye and then wondering why my eye hurts. Right. Well, when that happens, there's a natural correction that starts to occur in the same way that we learn to walk. You didn't know anything about kinesiology, physiology, physics. All you noticed, your little kid, little toddler, is if you lean too far to the left, you bumped your head. So you started to straighten up. That's the way it works with simply noticing and accentuating what you're doing to yourself. So there's, as you know, there's much more to the method than that, but that's a key. If people will play with that, and I want to emphasize that, play with it. Don't give yourself some new should about it. Oh, I'm supposed to be able to do this. Rick said, do this. I'll do it, by golly, and I'll be the best gremlin tamer ever. Just play with it. Fool around. Yeah, I love that. So I wrote down a few things here. One is um, it's common uh, to have that be the dynamic. And the other thing that's true is that distinction between a need and a want that we have air, water, food, and shelter, everything else we just, and some love and everything else we say we need. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the love part. <laughs> that's right, because I know that's critical. And then by simply noticing, you can become aware how you're manufacturing your own discomfort, how you're either creating it or you're exacerbating it and making it worse. And when that happens, I don't... the way you've described it to me is a natural correction takes place, just like that little child who, when they fall down and they hit themselves, when they do this, they just naturally correct. So the observer, the witness and watcher, the one who learned how to walk and talk with no instruction, that one sees that it's your own damn thumb that you're jamming in your own damn eye. And then you stop, right? Uh, maybe not immediately, but in, in some degree, and you'll feel a sense of relief versus what I wrote coming up with a piss poor off strategy, which would be, well, maybe I just need to work more or maybe I need to have, I need to do more transactions or maybe I need to, you know, I need to go just like slam down a bunch of alcohol so like I can forget about this for a second. Or maybe I need to go eat a whole bunch of food so I can like, you know, feel better on the inside momentarily. Cause those things are temporary. Like what Rick is saying to you guys and what he's providing you is an actual tool to deal with that. Like it's actual water to quench the thirst. It's not like about, it's not talking about, it's not a book about, 
it's an actual practice that you can use. It's an experience. Yeah. That's right. So go from need to want. I want to encourage everybody to do that. Yes. And recognize the distinction. And the way you said to do that was with responsible semantics. So if you catch yourself saying like, oh man, I need this deal. Or, oh man, I need to do a hundred. Or, oh man, I need to, you know, hit this goal. It's like, well, here's what's really true. You very much so want that. Right. Uh, And I remember you described it to me because in the basics of pleasure, which is another kind of, you know, kind of component. One of the strategies. Yeah. Yeah, you said like, and the first one is make feeling centered in a piece of top priority. And I remember for two years, I shared with people for two years, I was like the model kind of student, like raising my hand first. I could recite stuff, regurgitate all the stuff. Like I had it all memorized, but I resisted you, man. You would say like, make it your top priority. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Yep. That's cool. That's cute. I could tell you what it is. I could recite all the basics. Right. But I just wasn't. I really wasn't making it a top priority. And then I remember you said to me, I was like, but Rick, like with such urgency, I'm like, but Rick, I have all these other things that are so important. And you were like, that's cool, man. Just make them a really strong number two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Once I got that, you know, it made a whole bunch of difference. So that's really is the key for people, Aaron. And it's, it's amazing the number of folks who, it takes them a while to just get that is to remember that this feeling simple peace and contentment, simple contentment is your number one priority other than survival, of course. I mean, it really is, but you're right. I mean, people look for that in circumstance as opposed to considering the notion, well, maybe that's the natural state. And that if I quit getting in the way of it, maybe I'll feel more of that. And that's really what the Gremlin time, type, uh, Timing Method is about. It's not about, it's not about the Gremlin. I know. It's really not. It, in the same way that a, uh, a, well, you know, it's like they say, you know, you, you know how to carve an elephant out of wood. You get a block of wood and you take away everything. It's not an elephant. So it's the same principle. What we're after is the, the truth of who we are. And it's an experience. You're not going to discover it and say, oh, it's a, you know, like I said, I said, you could use terms, soul, prana, rate, cheeky, all that stuff, but it's not all that stuff. It's an experience. Those are just the words. Those are the concepts. Just feel it. And, you know, maybe the method won't take people all the way deep into that experience. I don't know. It depends on how much they practice, but I know that, what you're doing, Aaron, really points the way for people because it directs them inside. It really directs them back to themselves, to their own response ability, their ability to respond to that thing, breath to breath, moment to moment. But to respond to it, you have to at least have a taste of it. So that infinite force and that finite body are connected by your breathing, right? So your breath, your breathing is worth attending to. That puts you real close to that experience. That's right. And what I'm aware of, what came up for me as I'm listening to you, like I feel like I'm brushing up against it as we're talking. And what comes up for me is um, you saying to me that, uh, Aaron, you don't have to create anything. You just have to discover what's already there. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I remember for a while, I was like, what is he talking about? Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Simply notice like, okay, that's cute. Or like, oh, you know, basic pleasure. Like, oh, that's cool. But it's with cute. practice and with time and with simply noticing and with sitting and centering yourself and with journaling and with all of those things, um, I can attest to the fact that what Rick Carson is saying right now is uh, 1000% factually accurate. So I first and foremost, again, want to say thank you so much, Rick, for taking the time to be here and be here with you. Thank you. I know that they're going to just benefit so tremendously. So for people that want to connect with you in any capacity, right, How, where can they find you? Well, there's a Facebook page, Taming Your Gremlin Facebook page. They, uh, don't go to a Rick Carson page. Go to Taming Your Gremlin and uh, there is a web page, tamingyourgremlin.com. Uh, I'm going to, it, well, in January, I'm going to offer a course, a course in gremlin taming uh, that's available. And anybody that wants to work with me, I do a thing called gremlin taming intensive. And I only take a few people at a time, sometimes one at a time. <laughs> it depends because we talk first and I want to be sure that we're they're on it. And it's a mutual selection. They need to get to know me a little bit. So all they have to do is email me or my assistant uh, through support at tamingyourgremlin.com. And there's a contact thing through the web page that has that if they want to do that. Support at tamingyourgremlin.com. And if somebody, as you well know, is how it happened with you. If somebody has a sincere interest, or with Jane Massengill, who's director of the Gremlin Timing Institute, somebody has a sincere interest, if they're really thirsty, I'll work with them, yeah. <laughs> you know. But you need to connect with me so we can talk. Yeah. And I can attest to that, guys. Like, I want you to recognize I read that book and then I picked up the phone and I called him and that was up probably 10 years ago. And that led to, you know, me interacting with him uh, at a high capacity and basically being like an apprentice of sorts and just watch, watching him work because he is clearly a master at what he does. So anything that he has, whether it's the books, whether it's the class he's going to come out with, whether it's the intensive, if you're super you know, ready to take a deep dive, I highly, highly recommend it. So Thank you very much, my friend. You were the absolute best, and uh, I look forward to uh, connecting. I loved it, Aaron. It was a. It's always great to be with you. Actually, always. Uh, and people can contact, you know, me if they want to. They yeah. know how. He's a real person. I promise. He's a real boy. <laughs> well, let me just mention this real quickly too. If if people have a group together and they want me to come do something with them. It'll be virtual at this point in time, you know, but uh, that's another option too. Wonderful. Because you had me come work with a mastermind group at one point. I did. That's how we initially connected. Then we saw I had you come out and do a person and then we kind of took it to another level. So again, reach out to him. He's the absolute man. He's the original Gremlin Tamer. He's the best. And uh, look forward to uh, talking to you real soon, Rick. Thank you very much. Goodbye. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.